Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Wherever you are right now, whether you're sitting or standing, I want you to put your hands on your mind right now, on your head, and say, the blood of Jesus Christ frees my mind from doing things that will hurt me and my future so that I can serve God, for I have the mind of Christ. Amen. If you believe that, just give God praise one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. What we just did, you, again, and I know a lot of you didn't do it, which is why there's a mood in this place, because your minds are all over the place, because, again, this works. Let's do the blood test for just from now to the end of the month. For some of you, what's the blood test? Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 says, the blood of Christ. That's why he had the thorns on his head. And the blood came now. His blood frees our mind from doing dead works, works that are constantly messing us up so that we can serve God. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, no, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16 that we have the mind of Christ. In every situation, I can think like Christ. I was just talking to somebody yesterday, and, and um, you know, someone said something sideways to them, and there was a customer service person or somebody who they needed help from, and they were about to respond in a way of how they feel felt. And they paused themselves and they said, I had the mind of Christ. And because they responded positively, they got exactly what they needed. Sometimes, so, so having the mind of Christ isn't always about sin. Having the mind of Christ is, some of you need to have your mind released from how you think about certain people. You walk in church, you walk in a situation, and as soon as you see a certain person, your whole day goes sideways. Mm. Some of you need, mm. well, you're not married, so you have to give me five right here. <laughs> no offense. Some of you need to have your mind free from how you think about your spouse. Just look straight ahead. Just look straight ahead. I'm excited about this series. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. We're going to be traveling through the book of Mark for the next two semesters, fall and spring. And Mark deals with Jesus Christ as a servant. And I, I want to call these four, the first four chapters, we're going to split them up into uh, quarters. And I want to call this these first four chapters 
uh, I'm getting I'm getting my life back. Amen. I'm getting my life back. Now, some of you, you never had your real life yet. Amen. But you're going to get your real life. Amen. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, and I'm reading from the NIV. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that Jesus had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word of God to them. Verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get to him, or since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. Say the mat. mat. When Jesus, verse 5, saw their faith, when Jesus saw their faith, not the faith of the paralyzed man, when Jesus saw the faith of the guys who will carry him, he said to the paralyzed man, verse 11, I tell you, get up, take your mat. Say mat. mat. And go home. Verse 12. And the man got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. I I want to speak to you on the subject, mat stress. Mat mat stress. Mat stress. Because some of you are going through some mat stress right now. But I got good news for you. Now, we, we, so there's two things I want to cover today. I, I want to cover for you, God has a purpose for you. Say purpose. And God has partners for you to make sure you get there. Say partners. Tell somebody I have a purpose and I have partners. Amen. You are not alone. Now, you're going to be hearing this constantly, and that is, Jesus came to preach about the kingdom of God. That was his sermon, the kingdom of God. The word kingdom means the nature of a king and the reflection of that nature in the territory that he governs. So the nature of the king and the reflection of that nature in the territory that he governs. Now, you know, it doesn't matter who you vote for. Uh, We don't have a king, but we have a president. Are you with me? And his nature is reflected in our country. You don't have to say amen if you don't want (laughs) to. So, God, who is our king, he has a nature. He has two natures, the one that the world loves, the other that one the world hates. Let me start with the one that the world loves. God's nature is love. First 
John chapter 4, verse 7, 8 says God is love, and we love that about God. But God has another nature. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, and that is he's holy. He's a loving God, but he's a holy God. He is pure in character. And he says, I want you to be pure in character just like I am. Are you following me so far? So that's his nature. His nature is love, and it's reflected in eight different uh, manifestations. In Galatians chapter 5, it says that the fruit of God's spirit which is love, and that love is manifested in joy, peace, long-suffering, meaning the, the ability to be patient, gentleness, goodness, which can be translated generosity, temperance, self-control, humility. These are all the nature that is in God's kingdom. Turn to the person next to you and say, my friend, I have a question for you. Is God's nature in your home? If your home is always sad, then it's not a reflection of the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 14, verse 17 is the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. In the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a rhetorical question. You don't have to ask this. You don't have to answer. But when's the last time in your home, in your room, you had a good belly laugh? Just, just cracking up. Some of you haven't laughed in a long time. Well, I don't have anybody who's around me. Let me tell you something. I've learned to crack myself up. Can I get a witness out there? you got to learn to laugh all by yourself. Some of you need to laugh at yourselves, you know, but that's a whole other story. <sighs> this word repent, we think keeping up. Unfortunately, I was raised in what we call a holiness church, uh, which is, you know, a lot of legalistic rules. Half of or all of you would be kicked out of the church now uh, that I was raised in. Uh, uh, amen. Amen. Let's, let's have some fun here. Can we have some fun? Can we have some fun? How many you have, how many right now have our makeup? Raise your hand. Okay. Very good. How many, uh, keep your hand up, keep your hand up, makeup, makeup. How many have uh, jewelry on? Raise your hand. Okay. 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 Let me see. Uh, pants. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay. So look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Uh, all y'all be kicked out of the church. How many have nail polish? Nail polish? Mm -hmm. Some of the guys raise their hands too, but that's all right. <laughs> I'm a metro man. <laughs> you be kicked out of the church because we were holy. I remember when we were, when we were raised. You know, how many of you were raised in the church where you had to wear a hat? Okay, the two, okay. So some of y'all don't know about that, but you had the, the woman had to have their head covered, and I remember, you know, sometimes you know, people like my wife and Anita, they forget their hats, and so uh, uh, to cover their heads, so they would literally go down to the bathroom, take a paper towel, put a bobby pin there, and they would, no, no, come on, just just so that they would be able to come into the house of the Lord. 
And so repent was, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And we had what we call the repent police. They would inspect you to see, wait a minute, I, I see foundation on your face. Take those shoes off, let me see if they're painted. Repent was a dirty word, but the word repent is a blessing because the word repent simply means change your mind, change your perspective. Why? Because the kingdom of God is within your reach. Change your mind, change your perspective. See, any parents of toddlers here? Any parents are toddlers, okay? And how many of you, you've, you've, you've done something called child-proof your home, right? How many child-proof your home? Okay, because somebody, just so that, because it's been a while since I've done this. Uh, who, who, who has a child-proof home? Okay, Tiffany, stand up. You've got to say it loud so that people, what, what, why did you child-proof your home? What is child-proof in your home? Make it safe. So that it, when a child, no, when it, when, not a child, no, not a toddler. Yeah, that's right. My child. This is important. My child. When my child is going around the house, she doesn't get hurt. Okay. That's it. Good. Good. You, you childproof your home to make sure your child doesn't do anything that will hurt them because they're ignorant of the dangers ahead. So what God does is he has given his word to childproof us. And he, he allows us to think differently, prospectively, so that when it comes to sin, we will know the truth about sin and not mess ourselves up. His commandments are to protect us from messing ourselves up. Are you hearing me? And, and, and to enjoy the fruits of his blessing. Let me give you an example. He, he's given me a commandment and it's called do not commit adultery. It's not that God's trying to keep me from having fun. He's just said, have fun within the confines of the woman who I've married. Because the Lord knows, see the devil, he makes it sound sweet. But then what he doesn't let you know is how your adultery will have an effect on your spouse how it'll have an effect on your children, how it'll affect the, have an effect on, your, on, on how people look at you. It will mess you up. And let's not even talk about the guilt. So he tries to change our perspective to let you know there's trouble up ahead. Don't do this. The devil, make, the devil gives you these sweet candies, but in the end, it is bitter fruit. The devil disguises, tries to disguise blessings as curses and curses as blessings. 
Mm. So repent, change your mind. Change your mind. Now, God, there's this man, and he is paralyzed in his house. He is stuck in his house. It's home, but it's not enjoyable. He, he, he is immobilized from the neck down. He can do nothing. He cannot help himself. He cannot clean himself. He cannot eat for himself. He is paralyzed. And Jesus is coming in town, and he's heard about Jesus. The word Jesus means the Lord is a deliverer. So here's the person who can free me from my situation. He's in town and I can't get there. But he has four friends who know what Jesus can do. And so they go to this man's home who was their friend. And back then some translations of bed, but it's really a mat. It's really a not even a mattress. It's a mat. And they pick up the mat by four corners, each of them grabbing a corner. And they try to get in the, in fact, they can't even get near the door. And so they go up on the roof. It's a one-story roof. And most of, most of the houses then back then actually had a stairway to the roof. And the roof was made of mud. And they cut a hole in the roof. And they lowered their friend. Oh, this is a good word right here. They lowered their friend. And when they lowered their friend in front of Jesus, who did Jesus see? This is not a deep question. Hmm? Who did who did who did Jesus see when they lowered the paralyzed man? Did Jesus see the friends? Did Jesus see the friends? No, he did not. Jesus saw the man lowered. Now, my guess is maybe he could have saw the friends. Maybe he didn't see the friends. But he saw the man. And though, watch this, though Jesus did not see, let's suppose Jesus didn't see the friends. Jesus may not have saw the friends, but he know that this guy didn't just drop from the sky. My guess is that he probably saw four, four pieces of rope. The point is, is that Jesus did not see the friends, but he saw their faith. That's going to bless you. Because some of you don't realize that you have friends who are praying for you. Though you can't see them, God sees their faith. And so, um, so this man, he is lying at home, but home was not home. Everybody follow me so far? One of the synonyms of the word home is the word sanctuary. Sanctuary. Well, you see the suffix airy at the end of a word it means the place of, place of. So, for example, 
A mortuary is a place of what? Death. Are you with me? A sanctuary, the word sanctus means holy. The word holy means set apart for God to use. So sanctuary is a place that's set apart for God to use. So here this man is in a place, his home, that's set apart for God to use, but unfortunately he's paralyzed, so he can't be used. He is paralyzed. His home is not a home. His place of abode is not a place of abode. It is a place that should be set apart for God to use him, but he can't be used because he's paralyzed. Oh, my. What's your point, Bishop? Well, here's a major point, and I want to really help you out here. Here's an interesting point that I want to make here. When I was growing up, and this is going to help you get in, when I was growing up, and, and you don't hear this that often, and I'm going, to, I'm going to really start to bring this back into our culture in this church. When I was growing up, the main question that people used to always be concerned about is, what is the will of God for my life? That was kind of like, that was the constant thing I heard. What's the will of God for your life? We call it, what is the purpose of God for your life? Why were you born? And so as a teenager growing up in the church, my mindset was always, what has God created me to do? What is God's will for my life? We would go around and say, do you know God's will for your life? There was a, there was a culture that reminded us that we didn't just appear, that we weren't an accident, that we weren't the result of some love affair between two people who never got married, that no, God had a purpose for my life, and if I would seek him, he would actually show it to me. Amen. Tell person next to you, you have a purpose. Amen. Oh, well, you need to see. See, you may not realize the person next to you may need to hear that. Tell them, you have a purpose. So I discovered that not only do I have, if, if I seek God, he will actually let me know why I was born because it's to his advantage that I do what he created me to do. I was born to pastor. I was born to pastor in Cambridge. I was born to pastor a multicultural church. I was born for this. I'm not sitting here saying, oh God, how? no people ask me, how did you get here? I was born for this. I love pastoring. I love what I'm doing. Born for this. And so there's two things that you must fervently, passionately seek God for when it comes to your purpose. Number one, what's my mission? My mission is to pastor, to be in ministry. Some other other people's min mission, uh, Brother Michael's, is finance. No, uh, Dr. Eang's is medicine. Uh, David's is computer program. But, but, but we all have a mission. Watch this. And within that mission, we need to be a representative 
of the kingdom of God. So he's a different business person because he has the kingdom within him. So he looks at things differently. He doesn't look at money. He looks at money differently than all the other dudes around him. She looks at medicine differently. So maybe instead of thinking that she's God and can heal, she'll pray before she does her surgery or whatever she does. My point is, is that we are kingdom people. So as a kingdom, as a kingdom couple, we act differently than anybody else because our mindset is that we are representing somebody. We're not here doing our own thing. This is powerful because Mm, that means God is going to put some of you in schools and places that you'll scratch your head and say, what? how in the world with my credentials did I get here? And God said, I put you there to represent me so that others can see who I really am, that I'm a good God. And good gods need people who will act good. So the first thing that you got to ask God for when it comes to your purpose is, God, what is my mission? And then, Lord, have mercy. The second most important thing is, Lord, who am I to marry? Because if you marry the wrong person, it will jack up the mission. Can I preach that thing? Okay. You marry the wrong person, it'll blow everything up. And you're going to have to give an account. Because God is not hiding from you the spouse he has for you. This is, they don't, ooh, I am, this boy is preaching. Watch this. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. This is going to be, don't, this is going to be hard to stomach. This is going to be hard to stomach. If he has somebody for you. It may not be his will for you to get married. Cricket. (laughs) See, when you just love Jesus, nothing else matters. trying to help somebody. You see, you think a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or wife is going to make you happy. If you're not happy, all they're going to do is intensify your unhappiness. Turn to somebody and say, he's really trying to help you. He's, he's really trying to help you. He's really Because ah, some of you, you're going to marry the wrong person and you're going to be like that, that play. I can do bad all by myself. Why did I... I had to do it all over again if, when we were walking down the street as soon as I saw you I would cross the street <laughs> I'm trying to help you life this man was stuck on his mat give me a few more minutes I'm almost finished And life can be so paralyzing sometimes, so discouraging, so frustrating that you can be a victim of mat stress. 
like this paralyzed man? What is Matt's tryst? I, I had Matt. I'm the pastor. I'm the bishop. I'm the man of God. And Monday, I had Matt stress. What's Matt stress? And I'm, I'm by my house self right now, but I'm hoping somebody will join me. Matt stress is when you're so stressed out, you don't even want to get out of bed. Any witnesses? Okay, thank you. Thank you. I got three people who helped me. You, like, like, you get up and you're like, I, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to get out of bed. I, I'm not even saying I wish it was five, six o'clock in the evening. Because sometimes you can wake up wishing that it was, the day was over. Can I get a witness? I, I know some of you look at me and you think that angels are singing around me, holy, holy. And every time I go, hallelujah, it's a good morning. This is the day. To... No, no, sorry. no. I got up Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday, and I, 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 I could not get up. I spoke the blood over my mind and I could not get up. And so... Thank God for cell phones. I text my partners, my mat stress holders. And they prayed for me. And God saw their faith. And I was able to get up off of that mat and do what God has called me to do. Ask the person next to you, do you have a person, do you have a partner? When you're under mat stress. Am I talking to somebody right now? It's not always hallelujah. It's not always a skip to the loo. It's not, oh, what a beautiful morning. How about, I don't want the morning. I don't want to want the day. Mat stress. I don't want to get out of bed. And yet God will send partners who, who will lift you up in prayer. Who sometimes will go and find where you're hiding. Do you have friends in your life who when you're not responding, they know where to find you? If you don't have those kind of people in your life, you're just not going to accomplish God's purpose because we all need somebody. Are you with me so far? People say, why do you keep talking about community and partnership and people in your life? Because I, I think the Lord keeps saying this is because some of you still haven't done it. You still haven't said, God, bring God actually wants you to have friends. But have you asked him? No. As a matter of fact, God has sent people in your life and you're like, no, I don't like her. <laughs> God sent your friend. Oh, no. no. He's the wrong color. I'm black. He's white. No, no. God, no, no. No, no, oh, no. Um, 
African-American and he's Haitian. No, that's a, no, God, when you're desperate, when you're drowning and someone throws a life at you to say, excuse me, are you black? <laughs> excuse me, are you saved? <laughs> Do you know Jesus as your savior? I've discovered that sometimes God brings a person in your life who, at fir- when you first meet them, I'm not going to ask you to say it, you couldn't stand them. And, and now you look at, you say, how did we become friends? I couldn't stand you. But God. <laughs> That's why you need to repent. <laughs> Because oh God allowed you to think differently about this person you couldn't stand. Because God set that person into your life to help carry you. I want to really commend those of you who are Sunday school teachers. You have no idea the children you are carrying on the mat towards their purpose and destiny. If we could show this picture and then we'll pray. Uh, Wednesday, no, um, in August, uh, Lady Carmen and I visited uh, Pastor Emmy's church. Any men, do you remember Pastor Emmy from the uh, men's retreat? Okay, like one person remembers him. Come on, guys. So he's speaking here on... uh, Friday night, October 25th. If you were at the men's summit, you need to hear this, brother. So anyways, I went there and um, I saw Pastor Alan Hayward. Alan Hayward, uh, 50 years ago, was my youth pastor in this church. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I will always be indebted to this man. Because when I was a teenager and just trying to find my way and, you know, I would say, you know, my parents don't understand, they, they, they don't get it. I had this man in my life who had just uh, returned from Vietnam. And, you know, and just the grace of God that he, um, his wife Sylvia got pregnant he was called to go to Vietnam, so he didn't even know if he was even going to come back alive to see his son. And this man poured into my life, and he, he was one of the people who held the corner of Brian Green's mat. He, we didn't know that I would be a pastor or a bishop or travel to different countries preaching the gospel. All I was was just a teenager trying to figure out life. And I had Alan in my life to pour into me. And those of you who are Sunday school teachers, you have no idea who you're pouring into. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Because you could be pouring into a Brian Green. You could be pouring into 
and common ground and a leader, a care. You, you, you have no idea who you're pouring into, but God is going to reward you. Those of you who are in the teaching profession or, or mentoring, people need, somebody needs you to hold their mat so that they can come to Jesus and find their purpose in him. The next picture is Alan's son. He's a big guy. And I told you I had a bunch of boys. Uh, Albert Troy was one of them. And Ken was one of them. And so it's interesting that Alan poured into me. And then when I got older, as a teenager in college, I was pouring into Ken, and he's a drummer now at Pastor Emmy's church. And my point is, is that who's pouring into you? And who are you pouring into? Who's pouring into you? And who are you pouring into? Who's pouring into you? And who are you pouring into? Life is tough, but I believe that this year, for many of you, it is going to be a turnaround because you're going to understand that I have purpose and God is sending partners. I, be I believe for some of you, God relocated you to Cambridge just to put partners in your life. So I'm praying that you will keep your eyes open. Who is the Lord sending into my life that's going to help me to get off the mat? The mat of anxiety, the, the mat of frustration, the mat of anger, the mat of struggling, the mat of I don't know what decisions to make, the mat of frustration. There are people that God is sending into your life and they're within reach. But at the same time, there are people who God is sending you to. Don't ever hit the bow and the eyes closed. Thank you for being so patient. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. If you're sitting next to a family member or a friend that you know or you know, some of your acquaintances, I'm going to ask you if you would just uh, put your hand on that person's shoulder. If you don't know the person next to you, you may want to ask them, but that's not. And allow them to say no. <laughs> uh, but, but I want you to put your hand on their shoulder. And, and you're saying, why, why, why are we doing this, this bishop? Because I want this to be a sign to the person next to you that I know you may be carrying a heavy burden in life. 
But for this one moment, for this one moment, I'm going to help carry. some of your mat and bring you to Jesus who can heal. My hand is on your shoulder to let you know that you are not alone. That yes, you have Jesus, but for this one moment, you have me next to you. For just, I think we can all do this, just for 30 seconds, I want you to pray for that person next to you right now. Whatever you want to pray for, pray for their peace, pray for their decision making, pray that God will bring partners into their life, that God will bring people into their life that when he sees their faith, He'll make them whole. Oh, that's good hearing some prayers right now. Just for 30 seconds. Just for 30 seconds. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ten more seconds. Heavy, as, every, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, you may be here right now and you may have never asked Jesus to come into your life. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about being a Baptist, being a Catholic. Being a Pentecostal, I'm not, no, I'm talking about you never asked Jesus to come into your life. I'm not talking about, well, I got christened as a child, I got baptized. No, I'm talking about you've never asked Jesus to come into your life. Jesus wants to come into your heart, and He wants you to do life with Him. Because he knows exactly what he's created you to do. He knows exactly who the partners are to make sure that you accomplish your purpose. And he wants to bring partners into your life who will help you, who will carry your mat at every stage of your life. Whether you are 8 years old or 88 years old. At every stage of your life, Jesus will be with you. It's a promise. I know you may feel alone and by yourself, but Jesus said, you can read it in Matthew chapter 28, the last verse. He said, I will be with you always, even to the end. Not of your life, the end of all life. I will be there. 
with every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if you've never received Jesus into your heart, and you're saying, Bishop Brian, could you just pray for me? I want to receive Jesus into my heart. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I'm the one who will be looking. Could you slip up your hand and say, so I can pray for you? Those of you who may want to receive Christ, let me make sure I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Raise your hand. I want to make sure we don't miss anybody. Praise the Lord. Okay, keep your hand up so we can pray for you. Keep your hand up. And repeat after me, dear Lord, everybody, I come to you as a sinner. And that means, Lord, Jesus does not live in my heart. But Jesus, I am asking you right now, come into my heart. Save me so that I can become a child of God. Jesus, thank you for hearing my prayer. I'm a child of God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want to. I want to pray for one more uh, group of people. You're here and. You're either trying to find purpose, your purpose, not purpose, your purpose, or you're trying to discover your partners. And you really don't know who they are at this stage in your life. But you're also asking God, show me in this season of my life, <clears throat> who am I, what's my purpose, and who are my partners? If you're in that spot right now, could you please stand and I want to include you in this final prayer, wherever you are. Come on, stand quickly. If you don't want to stand, that's all right. But I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. You're in this valley of decision and you're trying to figure things out. And that's, that's okay. I want, I want to pray for you. That's good. That's good. Father, I thank you for each and every person who's standing. I thank you for your grace. I thank you that... Your job through the Holy Spirit is to guide us into all the truth. And so, Father, I pray that you will open our eyes to see the purpose that you have for us at this moment in time, at this moment. For some of us, we are, we're in Cambridge for this moment in time. For some of us, we're at this job for a moment in time. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you will open our eyes to seek you because the Bible clearly says your will is good, acceptable, and perfect. We are in the perfect spot. I pray, Father, that you will also open our eyes to see who are the partners you're bringing into our life. Who, who are the people? Who are the friends? Whether it's in, in junior high or middle school or high school or college or the job we're at or the church we're at or the neighborhood we live in. Oh, Lord, who, who are the friends? Who are the partners who are going to carry us in prayer? Who are the partners who are going to carry the, you know, some of the burdens that we're carrying? Who, who are the people 
who you have put into our lives to partner with us to make sure we accomplish the purpose we were created for. What's the church that you've placed in our lives that will carry a, a, a part of our mat so that, so that when you look at their faith, it will help us? Oh, Spirit of God, I pray that before, I pray that before the month is over, not even before the year is over, before the month is over, eyes will start opening and say, oh my goodness, I, I, why didn't I see you before? I'll tell you why, because Bishop didn't pray for you before. <laughs> I believe that you will, hear, you will hear my prayer, Lord. Not because my prayers are special, but because I am one of the mat holders for the people in this congregation. And I'm believing you, Jesus, that no matter what age the person is, they're going to have an encounter with you that you will open their eyes to their purpose and to the partners that you brought into their lives. And so right now, we thank you, Lord. Come on, those of you who are standing up, let's just take five seconds to thank God that he is going to do it. This is not a nice feeling that we're having in church. God is going to do it. Get ready, get ready, get ready. God is going to do it. He's going to bring purpose and he's going to be partners and your spirit will be settled in Jesus, not your circumstances, in Jesus. Amen. And God bless you. Wake up.